0: All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Super Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 10th, 2018, and uh, we're only a week away now from SEC Tip-Off, which is the media day event, uh, which will take place on October the 17th. It will be in Birmingham this year. Uh, very excited to go there, talk to all these coaches, talk to the players. Um, all 14 head coaches will be there. Uh, two players from each school will be there as well. Um, so it's always a lot of fun, especially the past couple years. Uh, the audience has grown a little bit, and that's because uh, the reputation of SDC basketball, as we know, has grown to what it is now, and um, it's always a lot of fun, especially this time of year, uh, to talk to these guys and get some good stuff. Uh, as they've now started practice and as they get ready for their season openers here uh, in less than a month now. So today's episode of the podcast is a special mailbag edition, and my initial plan uh, was to do one mailbag episode. But my goodness, you guys have sent in a ton of questions. Uh, I put it out on Twitter, as I always do, on Tuesday night, and you guys have already sent a ton. So I'm going to split this into a couple episodes. Uh, so if you're someone who sent in a question, I don't address it. In this one, uh, it will be in the uh, the next mailbag episode, uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started here and, and talk about some of these questions, because there's some good variety here. Um, everyone does focus a lot on wanting to know who's going to make the NCAA tournament and all that, but there's some good variety with these questions. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first batch of questions from at Kessler 16 on Twitter Uh, He's got a couple questions. The first one is, how many teams do you think realistically have a shot to make the NCAA tournament from the SEC this season? I've said previously, I think there's nine teams I feel pretty good about uh, in terms of their ability to be in the NCAA tournament picture when we roll into February and into March. Um, And I think those teams, I really feel like I'd be surprised if any of those teams really dropped off. Uh, and weren't at least near the bubble, or having the opportunity to lock up a bid. Uh, once we get to, to that part of the season, now you could probably throw in a tenth team in there, and that's what we'll get into with some of these other questions. Uh, there's probably just some more unknowns with the other five teams um, right now, and so I think that's probably the biggest thing you look at. Uh, but nine teams at the moment, I feel like, are, are all capable of being in the bubble picture or beyond, and certainly you'll have you'll have teams. I think this year. Uh, that wind up being you know, possible 1 seed, 2 seed, 3 seed, 4 seed. You're going to see a lot more of those uh, SEC teams in those spots versus, I think, seeing them in the 8, 9, 10 range uh, this year. You've just got a lot of teams towards the top that are going to have a chance uh, to wind up in one of those top 4 seed lines. Um, if not, and then really close to it, I think so. Uh, I would say nine right now realistically have a shot to make the tournament, and that would probably be you know if I was going to bet on it, I would probably say that's the best bet at this point uh, based on what we know from these these different teams. Um, so I would go nine right now. Uh, eight w- would not be a disappointing disappointment in my opinion, just because uh, even though it matches what they got in last year, I think this year you're going to have a lot more teams uh, that have the capability. And the depth to go even further in the tournament rather than just being uh, teams that make the tournament. I think you have a lot more teams in the SEC this year that are capable of winning multiple games in the tournament. So there's a big difference there. Uh, so that that's what I would go with uh, right now with where things stand. Our uh, second question is Is Ole Miss's veteran core of uh, Brian Tyree, Bruce Stevens, and Terrence Davis flying under the radar too much? Uh, and he notes that, that he thinks they are. Uh, I would say Ole Miss is a team that's kind of really growing on me. The more I look at them, the more I do my notes on them. Um, And I think until the season starts, you don't really know, especially when you have a new coaching staff, you you don't ever really fully know how long it can take sometimes to maybe adjust to certain aspects, uh, to maybe a style of play, or different aspects just within a program. Uh, But I'm very high on Kermit Davis. I think everyone knows that based on – um, what I w- was able to see him do at Middle Tennessee, and just kind of uh, the way he coaches, the way he builds a program, uh, the SEC is is certainly a tougher challenge. But and he knows, but you know, he knows it's going to take some time. It's a process. They're they're not going to come out and win the SEC this year. Uh, and you know, it's probably going to be tough for them to w- to make the NCAA tournament. However, th- they know it's a process, and I think just putting that foundation in is going to be big for them this season. But they do have talent. I mean, they do have the guys you mentioned, Tyree, Stevens, Davis. Um, I think Blake Henson's someone that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Kermit Davis is very high on him. And they just got so many new guys. And I think that's always the question with teams that have newcomers. And not to compare it specifically to Kentucky, but it's it's sort of in that, you know, you have so many new players that come in. Uh, on a year-in-year-out basis at Kentucky, we always ask about the chemistry and we, we ask about how certain guys are going to play play together and that type of stuff. And I think that's what you ask with an Ole Miss team that has so many new guys on the roster, has a new coaching staff. Uh, There's just more unknowns probably uh, more than anything just because we haven't really seen uh, the product that we're going to see on the floor this year for Ole Miss. So uh, that's why you'll probably see them pick lower um, in a lot of projections Uh, than anything but I think that they have talent and as long as they uh, can be consistent on defense which they struggled at uh, last year and in recent years then if they can get better there they've got the offensive firepower to keep up with some of these teams around the league so next up is uh, from at Tide Hoops News on Twitter Uh, does a great job there Alabama wise Uh, spreading a lot of information there on Twitter and uh, he asks. You know there will be 10 or 11 teams battling for the 7 or 8 bids from the league. Uh, Who are the 3 or 4 teams that you think won't be in contention? And that kind of follows up on what we just talked about, where, yeah, I mean, I think you feel pretty good about 9, maybe 10 teams right now saying, I see their rosters, I feel like they have a good chance uh, to put themselves in position to be an NCAA tournament team. The three or four that we're going to have the most questions about, and we just talked about Ole Miss, it's just because we don't have enough information in terms of what things are going to look like, how drastically they could look uh, different in certain areas of the game. I mentioned Arkansas. um, With Daniel Gafford on the court, there's a lot of things that are possible when you have a a future NBA player uh, like that, a future lottery pick, a future probably top five pick. Uh, On the court, it's hard to completely say that Arkansas can't find their way into the NCAA tournament picture. It's just with all that youth, they're so young. Um, And in a league where you have a lot of experience and some of these uh, higher-level teams... I think that that may make it tough for Arkansas to find those wins, especially on the road. Uh, We know Bud Walton's always a tough place to play, and anyone that goes in there this year is going to find themselves uh, in a difficult battle, as always, even if this is a young team. But uh, I think Arkansas just has a lot of question marks because of that youth um, and losing the guys that they lost, that that experience, that leadership, uh, and the scoring ability from some of those guys. Uh, So I would put them in there. Texas A&M's another team that we just don't really know enough about either because their playing style is going to change so much from what we've seen the last several years uh, where Tyler Davis and Robert Williams are gone, so you're not playing through your big men. Now you're going to be playing through your guards and and Gilder and Starks um, and the other guys that they have in there now. So I think it's probably just a wait-and-see mode on Texas A&M. It would be hard for me to put them in that surefire NCAA tournament picture Uh, right now because we just don't kind of know exactly how that new style of play the up-tempo type is going to kind of work out for them immediately Um, i think they'll they'll be able to play uh, around the gilder and starks to where i think they'll be able to succeed but i think we just kind of have to take a wait and see approach on the aggies because of what they lost from last year um if you look around georgia i've talked about georgia's potential sleeper team I think that they could maybe be uh, one of the more surprising teams in the league, and I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to be in the NCAA tournament picture. But I do think they have some older guys there combined with with the new, um, you know, the younger guys on the roster, that sophomore class that I continue to talk about. They have some good freshmen. Uh, and then you have Tom Crean who brings in uh, a different philosophy and kind of how he wants to play. He may be able to get them – kind of uh, speeding along a little bit quicker than people expect uh, but I think just like with these other teams it's wait and see because we don't know for sure on them so you could probably throw South Carolina uh, in that mix as well and those are the five teams that, that I would say you, you just don't really you can't get a full grasp on because some of these teams have newcomers uh, some of these teams have Um, you know new new coaching staff so it's like you don't feel like that you can get a full uh, feel of what they're going to look like and with South Carolina I mean they've got Chris Silva who's going to be an SEC player of the year candidate Um, it's just a matter of what's around him and they bring in some new guards uh, they bring in some new pieces of the puzzle and I think it's just a matter of seeing how everything fits together uh once they they step on the court and for them it's it's going to be about the offensive end of the floor. We know they're going to be tough. We know they're going to play hard defense. But you want to see that consistency on the offensive end of the floor. How they shoot the ball if Chris Silva can stay on the floor cuz if he gets in foul trouble, uh that is going to present problems just like it did last year. So um, I think those five teams, I, I'm not necessarily saying you can rule out any of those teams from being in the NCAA tournament picture. It's just those are the five teams I have the biggest questions on as we go into the season, um, and I think it's warranted because of what they lost from a year ago, what they bring in, and it really is just the, the, the unknowns. I think that's the biggest thing. When you look at teams going into a season, You how you compare them is what are the unknowns, and a lot of those teams that maybe we have ranked one through seven, one through eight in the SEC, you feel like the unknowns are kind of less than they are for some of these other teams. So I would say those five teams right now, I would put in that picture of uh, let's wait and see kind of how things evolve throughout the non-conference schedule, and then as they go into SEC play, uh, you could probably kind of reassess where they are in terms of having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And the next question, we go from Alabama to Auburn, and it is from uh, at Brad Carver25 on Twitter. He asked, how do you think an Auburn-Duke matchup would play out if both advance to the second round of the Maui Invitational? Uh, that would be a lot of fun to see, and I think it's one where you probably look at the bracket and you kind of expect to see it. Uh, Auburn plays Xavier, uh, which is never a tough out. Travis Steele, now the new head coach there. Uh, Duke plays San Diego State. Uh, but I, I think it would be a lot of fun, and I think there are some things that Auburn will do better than Duke. There are some things that Duke will do better than Auburn um it's kind of look at it and you know about Duke's freshman class and you know all the guys uh that are on that team now and what a talented group uh, that they do have uh this year in that freshman class Zion Williamson of course Cam Reddish, Sargey Barrett those guys are going to be very entertaining to watch this year but they're young and they are freshmen and I think that's where you look at Auburn where they've kind of dealt with inexperience in the past uh, this year, Auburn's going to be a little more experienced. And you get the guys back like Wiley and Pierre Foy, Um, You know, you add Samir Dowdy. Uh, you have the the veteran. You know, now upperclassman guys with with Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, all those different pieces. So Auburn's got more experience. Um, and you know, you know, you kind of look at the depth on each roster. You could argue that that Auburn's a deeper team from top to bottom. Uh, but like I said, that that tough. Uh, top part of Duke's roster the freshman class is going to be uh, very tough to handle so I would love to see that matchup and I really hope we get it uh, because that's going to tell us a lot about both teams really Uh, but it will tell us a lot about Auburn uh, that early in the season and the Maui Invitational never disappoints there's always uh, tremendous games there so I hope we are watching uh, Auburn and Duke uh, when November rolls around. Next up uh, from uh, he has changed his username to vanderbilt's next ad and that is our good friend at au goldfinger on twitter um and he has three questions and all as i would expect they're all uh, very intriguing to think about um so let's start off with who leads the league in scoring uh it's a, it's a fun question because we always kind of talk about the offensive firepower especially going into this year um you look at the leading returning scores in terms of points per game uh tremont waters averaged 15.9 points per game last year. Bryce Brown averaged 15.9 points per game. Jalen Hudson and Grant Williams were not very far behind. Both averaged uh, 15.5 for Hudson, 15.2 for Williams. Uh, So all those guys are probably in the mix. Um, I think you could always find a player like on Kentucky, but I think this year where you could have so many guys kind of spread out scoring-wise for Kentucky because of how deep they are. I think right now, uh, you look at it, you could you could point towards any of those guys, the returners. Um, Tremont Waters, I think, probably has a really good chance to be right there again, one or two uh, in the league and scoring, even with all the guys that LSU is going to add around him. Uh, I still think he's such a dynamic playmaker and a scorer. Teams are going to be preparing for him, but he's so hard to stop. Uh, Jalen Hudson has a really good shot. I think to finish atop the league in scoring just because of uh, his ability to score points and bunches. And we know he's going to get a lot of looks. He's going to be relied upon to be uh, their top shooter there for the Gators. They do have a really, really good backcourt, court, uh, but I, they're going to rely on Hudson for a lot of points on a night in and night out basis. So I think he's got a really good shot. Grant Williams, the reigning SEC player of the year. Um, people know him that they know that they have to stop him, but it's still going to be uh, very difficult to do. But, I would probably lean towards uh, Waters or Hudson right now uh, as the possible ones, and that's not a knock on someone like Bryce Brown, just because Bryce Brown, I think, is going to have a terrific year, but when you get someone like Wiley back in the mix, um, you know, points necessarily averages and that kind of thing can go down, Uh, so Auburn's just got a lot of options to work with, but I do think Waters or Hudson seem like really good bets right now, so I would... uh, I'll kind of go with one of those two at the moment and and maybe see how things unfold there because both of them uh, are going to be relied upon for a ton of scoring this year. Uh, And so I think they they both have a really good shot. The next question from Mr. Goldfinger is, uh, in a conference loaded with great freshmen, who will be the rookie of the year? Yes, it is a year where there is a ton of great freshmen across the board. Uh, It's very tough to narrow it down and, and make that call just because of how many are out there now. Uh, like we continue to talk about. It's not just Kentucky that's getting these top-level future NBA players on their rosters anymore. Uh, it's a lot of places throughout the SEC. Um, again, look at what Vanderbilt, LSU, teams like that are doing, Florida. Um there's so many different options. I think you probably start with Kelvin Johnson at Kentucky. Uh, he has a chance to really just explode onto the scene. Um, I don't think it would surprise anyone uh, in terms of what he's able to do Uh, if he kind of just emerges as the best, uh, one of the best options on that entire team, just in terms of his ability to do so many different things well. um, He could probably wind up being right there uh, as the best freshman in the league. I do think Darius Garland at Vanderbilt uh, is going to probably have a chance to to be right in the mix uh, based on what we've seen from him early on. um, And and now just kind of knowing his skill set as someone – uh, who I think is going to be the entire driving force of, of Vanderbilt's team this year. He's going to be what everything goes through. He's going to have the ball in his hand more than any other player on that team. And so I think that's going to give him an opportunity. And knowing what he's surrounded with, uh, with Simi Shitsu, Aaron Neesmith, uh, Saban Lee, guys like that, I think he's going to have an opportunity to really be a, a playmaker from, you know, minute one on the court, uh, and he's going to have an opportunity every single game uh, to kind of go out and be one of the better players on the floor, not just best freshman, but one of the better players on the floor, period. So I think you've got to throw Darius Garland in there. Um, and, you know, you look around. There's other options, you know, Naz Nas Reed at LSU. Um, you've got Andrew Nimhardt at Florida. You can pick up any of the Kentucky guys like we mentioned. Um, you can kind of take your pick on the Kentucky players, uh kelton johnson's probably going to be someone that that is probably the most eyes are going to be on um i think from day one and i think he has a chance to really emerge uh but but as we always say with kentucky it could be any of these guys i mean it could be uh you know ej montgomery it could be ashton Hagens, it could be emmanuel quickly uh any of these guys and you just you never know kind of how quickly some of these guys are really going to separate themselves uh but you know aside from the kentucky mix You look at someone like Darius Garland, I think he's got a chance. You know, Semi Shitsu could could easily on that Vanderbilt team. We know how much they're going to rely on those two uh, this season. And then you look around elsewhere. I think Mississippi State's guys uh, could probably maybe a little underrated in that regard. And you could see one of those guys break out um or you know like i mentioned somebody like andrew nimhart at florida uh it's just there's so many ways you could go uh and i think that's what's going to make the sec fun because you don't just have experienced guys anymore you've got all these dynamic freshmen uh, all throughout the league just scattered everywhere uh and that makes for a fun season uh without a doubt and the last question from au goldfinger is uh realistically is there any coach on the hot seat this season and he asked, uh, is Ben Howland if he doesn't make the tournament? I don't think, realistically, there's anyone that's on the hot seat this year. I just don't see it, um, you know, mainly because we've had, you know, some of the, the influx of coaches over the past several years, guys who still haven't been at these programs very long. Uh, in regards to Ben Howland, I mean, look, I, you know, hey, if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year, it's going to be a disappointment, I think, for for all parties involved. But are they going to go out and fire someone who has the, the final four appearances, the NCAA tournament appearances, uh, a season after winning 25 games? I don't think so. Um, so I don't know. Realistically, no one's on the hot seat this year. I, I think you look around at the entire picture. You've got new coaches now, as we know. Um, I just don't necessarily think anyone is on that hot seat uh, at the moment. I, you know Others may disagree with that. I just don't think there's anyone that you're looking at when the season starts and says, "Hey, there's a good chance that guy gets fired this year." I just don't see it happening. So we will wrap up uh, this mailbag episode with this question, and again, we'll save the other questions uh, for part two of the mailbag. Um, and the last one is going to come uh, from Twitter, of course, and it will come from at cc underscore tammale two two four one five. And his question is, is Tennessee a national championship contender? Uh, yes, Tennessee's a preseason top 10 team, in my opinion. Um, they're undoubtedly, when you think about everything they have coming back, getting all their top scorers back, um, a year more experience now, and going through everything that they went through last year uh, to go from not having many expectations when the season started uh, to continually handling those expectations as they won more and more games. You just never saw this team back down from anyone. They were always ready for the challenge. Um, and I think with everything they have coming back, it's hard not to look at Tennessee and say, I can see Tennessee beating you know, Team A, Team B, Team C, whoever you want to throw in there. All the teams that are going to be rated near the top in college basketball, Tennessee's going to be right there with them. Um, and I don't. I just don't think there. There's little doubt about that. That they have all the pieces you need uh, to be a team that goes very far in the NCAA tournament, as we saw last year. They have the pieces you need to win the SEC. Um, so it is. It's going to be a year where the expectations are completely different. And I think that's the thing you look at with a team like Tennessee. The mindset, um, knowing that you go from not having really hardly any pressure on you to now having a lot of pressure to follow up what you did a year ago. Uh, You win 26 games. You capture the share of the SEC regular season title. So now you go into this season, you're a preseason top 10 team. Uh, How does your mindset kind of change as you go into a year like this? Does it change? And I think that's the biggest thing you're probably looking at from a coaching standpoint is you want to make sure your guys still have that that toughness, that chip on their shoulder, that edge to them. Um, And I I don't really expect Tennessee to not have any of that because they showed last year – I thought they were one of the more mentally tough teams in the entire country. That toughness goes a long way, and I think as long as they keep that, uh, they're going to be right there. They're a possible Final Four contender, and they're going to have an opportunity uh, to win the SEC this year. So that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Southeast Hoops Podcast, and this is Melback Part 1. Part 2 will be coming up here uh, in a couple days, so be sure to look out for that. And continue to send in your questions on Twitter. You can find me at the Blake level. Uh, we've had more come in actually since uh, this morning when I started recording this episode. So uh, more questions, keep sending them on in, on in and we'll add them uh, to the next part of the mailbag uh, as the SEC season gets closer and closer uh to start here and again uh, media day coming up next week we'll have a lot of audio a lot of written stuff over on the site as well so be sure you check in on all that uh don't miss any of it so subscribe to the podcast just go over to itunes search for southeast hoops that way you can get all these episodes delivered to you as soon as they go up Uh, and and all the written stuff over at southeasthoops.com. Got a couple writers uh, ready to get started as well, So and we will keep churning out uh, all the stuff you need to get you ready for the start of the 2018-19 college basketball season. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.